morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Tuesday, May 17th. San Diegans take a stand against racism. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Federal officials say they've found a sophisticated cross-border tunnel in Otay Mesa. Officials announced the discovery on Monday. They say it has reinforced walls, a rail system, power, and ventilation. The tunnel was found after Homeland Security officials staked out a stash house in National City last week. Six people were arraigned Monday afternoon at the federal courthouse in downtown San Diego on drug trafficking charges. California's landmark law requiring women on corporate boards has been ruled unconstitutional. Los Angeles Judge Maureen Duffy Lewis issued her ruling on Friday. The conservative legal group Judicial Watch sued over the law. They argued it was illegal to use taxpayer funds to enforce a statute that violates the California Constitution by mandating a gender-based quota. The state countered, saying the law didn't create quotas because boards could add seats for women without taking seats away from men. San Diego City officials say there's more than $800,000 that needs to be returned to more than 1,000 residents and business owners. According to the city, the most common types of unclaimed monies are returned checks for overpayment of business taxes, overpaid utilities, and other fees. For a link to check to see if the city owes you money, go to kpbs.org. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Donations come in many forms. A sustaining membership, a one-time gift, even that extra vehicle you no longer need. Learn more about the advantages of donating a vehicle. Here's how. Go to kpbs.careasy.org or call 877-KPBS-CAR. Local violence prevention groups held a vigil and a protest at Balboa Park last night to stand up against hate and gun violence. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado was there and says they also called on politicians to take action. We have come to a time where we know that racial violence, Lord, has been normalized. The vigil and protest to denounce racial hate and gun violence started with a prayer and moment of silence led by Bishop Cornelius Bowser of Charity Apostolic Church. Then the names of the 10 mostly black victims who police say were gunned down by a self-proclaimed white supremacist were read. Aaron Salter, Catherine Massey, Ruth Whitfield. I am not okay. We are not okay. Eremit Glass-Blake, a representative of the Black Political Association of California, San Diego, spoke of the pain and trauma the Buffalo shooting has caused the Black community and calls for action by politicians who have yet to fulfill promises. Today is a day of reckoning. Today I say no more. She also called out those who stay silent in the wake of horrific racial violence and injustice. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News.
Abortion rights advocates say they're focusing on the upcoming elections in the wake of the leaked draft opinion that signals Roe v. Wade will be overturned. Vernita Gutierrez is with Planned Parenthood of the Pacific Southwest. She helped organize the rally over the weekend in downtown San Diego that drew thousands. She says it's time for action. The real goal is to, um, you know, elect more pro-abortion and pro-sexual and reproductive health um, legislators into our Congress, but we also need to do that at the local level as well. If Roe is overturned, more than two dozen states are poised to ban abortions or severely restrict them. California is not among them. The LGBT Community Center in Hillcrest has reopened its doors after being shut down for two years because of the pandemic. KPBS reporter M.G. Perez has more. The epicenter of San Diego's LGBTQ community is best known simply as the center in the heart of Hillcrest on Normal Street. The center shut its doors in March 2020. For the past two years, staff members did their best to provide services online when possible. Food distribution never stopped. In fact, it went from serving 600 people a month in 2020 to more than 2,000 even now. But at the heart of the center are the resources to support marginalized people including immigrants and those living with HIV-AIDS, providing power through knowledge. Gus Hernandez is the center's senior director of communications. We support the LGBTQ community in providing access to educational resources here at the center to make sure that they are educated and know how to protect themselves, protect their loved ones. The center also underwent thousands of dollars in renovations, making the building safer and more modern. M.G. Perez, KPBS News. Coming up, carbon capture technology is gaining traction both at the United Nations and in California. But what is carbon capture tech and will it be enough? We'll have more on that next, just after the break. Hey, 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 this is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can, all right? Thanks. Last week, California released draft updates to a plan to cut greenhouse gas emissions, but the plan left environmental groups with concerns. The plan was first created in 2008, and it's updated every five years. CAP Radio's Manola Sakaida has more. The draft's goal is carbon neutrality by 2045. 
This would mean the state is removing as much carbon from the air as it's emitting. Some of its strategies include transitioning to zero-emission transportation and all electric appliances in new homes. But environmental groups say the plan could perpetuate rather than phase out fossil fuels. They've criticized its reliance on carbon capturing technologies and a cap-and-trade program. They're framing it as like, this is a super ambitious and equity-based plan, right? But it's not. That's Catherine Garupa-White. She's the executive director of the Central Valley Air Quality Coalition and is a member of the Environmental Justice Advisory Committee for the plan. It's business as usual, and it's not equity-oriented. It's oriented towards polluting industries and perpetuating what we've already been doing. The draft is in the midst of a 45-day comment period. The plan will likely be approved in the fall. In Sacramento, I'm Manola Sakaita. As you just heard, carbon capture is a major player in California's plans for cutting emissions, and not everyone is convinced it's going to help the way it's supposed to. But what is carbon capture technology, and how does it work? David Victor is a professor of innovation and public policy at UC San Diego. He spoke to KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Cavanaugh. Here's that interview. Is this embrace of carbon capture by the IPCC and other climate scientists an admission that we are failing in the effort to reduce greenhouse gas emissions? Yeah, I think it's an admission that the first thing you have to do is cut emissions. And we've just waited too long to do that. Emissions right now are going up about 1.3% per year. That's not as fast as they were going up the previous decade, which is about 2.3% per year. But if we're going to stop global warming, that rise needs to be turned around and we need to almost eliminate emissions from the atmosphere entirely. We just spent so long going to meetings and talking about this and not getting very much done that we're now committed to at least one and a half degrees of warming, probably two degrees of warming. And this new report from the UN recognizes that and recognizes that even if we have a crash program to reduce emissions, we're also going to have to pull some of that, some of those emissions that have accumulated in the atmosphere, have to pull them out and put them uh, safely away from the atmosphere. Yeah. Can you tell us what this carbon capture technology actually does? So there are many different technologies. Some of the technologies involve building machines that actually uh, take the carbon dioxide. It's very low concentration gas in, in the atmosphere and concentrates it uh, and then puts it safely underground. So they're machines. are very expensive right now, but the costs seem likely to come down with investment. You can do it the old-fashioned way, which is to grow trees or plants. There's some interesting work going on at Salk and other places uh, where you can engineer plants so that they absorb that carbon in the, in the root structure and in the soils and then combine that with no-till agriculture. And that could put the carbon back in the, in the ground. You can protect mangroves, a variety of other strategies. Some people are looking at how to change the chemistry actually of the oceans. And then that would then result in the oceans absorbing more of the carbon dioxide and keeping out of the atmosphere. Has any of this technology been proven to work in reducing greenhouse gases in the atmosphere? Well, some of the elements have been proven to work. So for example, take these engineered machines. There's a project going on right now in Iceland Relatively small quantities, about a few thousand tons of carbon dioxide per year, but, but all profound technologies begin at a small scale. That's an example. We've been working on crop engineering for a long time, so it's an extension of those kinds of technologies. If we could figure out how to grow more trees in a safe way and also protect those, unfortunately, many of the world's forests are in places where it's hard to protect those trees, then we could that could end up playing a significant role. So I think what we've, what we've seen is that the elements of the technologies and the ideas are there. What really has been missing is attention to which of these options can really scale up and have a big impact. That's the research that, that we do at UC San Diego is how does a system as a whole operate and how quickly could you move from having nascent technologies like these projects in, in Iceland to something that would have a profound impact on the entire climate. 
Right, because wouldn't carbon capture have to be deployed on a massive scale to make an impact? Yeah, it would have to be a uh, truly massive scale. I mean, we're talking about billions of tons of carbon dioxide uh, uh, per year. Current emissions are about 55 billion tons of all greenhouse gases. This project in Iceland is a few thousand tons. So it gives you some sense of the complete disconnect in scale. And one of the things we've learned from our research already is that even if the technologies improve rapidly and we get started right now, it's probably going to take a few decades for the technologies to improve enough and for the scale to be reached that these carbon removal options could be material alongside outright cuts in, in emissions. So that's a, an argument for getting started. That's one of the reasons why the Department of Energy has so much money and their new budget for this kind of technology. It's why places that have been leaders on climate change, including California, are recognizing they're going to have to be leaders on carbon removal as well. Now, critics say that this emphasis on carbon capture allows the fossil fuel industry to keep going when our efforts should be focused on clean energy. What do you think about that? I think that if you focus your efforts on clean energy and do a serious job there, you still have the reality that it's emissions from the entire planet that affect global warming. And so unless we expect China and India and frankly, the rest of the United States to get in line with the kinds of things we're already doing here in California, then we're in for quite a lot of warming. And so I think you have to walk and shoot gum at the same time. You have to make a big effort, massive, much more serious effort than we made so far. And that was David Victor, professor of innovation and public policy at UC San Diego. He was speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Maureen Kavanaugh. And that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Annika Colbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.